Hello again, so we're on chapter 30. Okay, so here we go, chapter 30. The memorial flyby had lasted only half an hour. In that short time, most of the whole of the human population of the city under Gemini had come out into the streets. The route of the flyby parade had begun over the mountaintops, continued over the human city and ended at the shores of the sea. And along the length of their journey, the ashes of Fedora Zidane had been scattered. It was the first such ceremony of its type conducted from the third city of Gemini, because this was the first time a ruler had died. Fedor had been the first ruler of the city, and he had outlived all the other first rulers of the other 49 cities across the globe. Alexander, his son and democratically agreed successor, had headed the parade with the job of scattering the ashes of his father. He flew ahead and alone, there being no other family members to fly with him. Behind Alexander, all the other governors flew, and behind them followed a long line of Pegasian mourners. The, the memorial flyby had taken place the day after the fight with the fourth chimeric. Mariana had watched it from her balcony. She had not wished to go into the streets. They were crowded full of men, women and children, all wishing for a little piece of the ashen remains of their great and respected ruler to descend upon them. For the ash to touch them meant good luck, good fortune, and maybe even one day in the future might make them worthy enough to be given wings. Women held their babies high into the sky and fathers put their tallest children on their shoulders in the hope that at least one family of the, one member of their family stood a good chance of being touched with good fortune. Mad, isn't it? Hilary had scoffed as she watched the fly by from her adjacent balcony. Mariana had smiled in silent reply. She didn't think it was mad. She thought it was human nature. It was only human to wish for a better life, especially if you knew it was within your grasp. That day, Mariana had squinted into the small patch of sky to catch a glimpse of Alexander as he flew by. The glimpse had been brief, but his outline, a black silhouette against the bright yellow afternoon sun, was distinctly recognisable, and her whole body, which shook at the sight of him, was left in tremors in the aftershock. He had been a thousand metres away from her, but even that small glimpse of him had sent her heart beating so fast that she thought it might burst out of her chest. Out of the city the parade had carried on into the ocean shore out Out of the city the parade had carried on to the ocean shore so that the merfolk might see it so that they too could pay their respects. That day, Mariana had also been told that she had two weeks to vacate her flat. She had been told that she had been moved up the scale and that she was to be given a luxury top-floor flat with a view of the sea and in full bathing glare of the sun. The Pegasine landlord had come himself to see her. Normally, he sent his rent collector, so it was the first time she had met him face to face. He was a pale and healthy-looking man who carried a bit too much weight. He had told her that she had been awarded by the new ruler, Alexander Sedan, for her, for her services to his father, Fedor. He told her that Alexander always honoured those who did good work for the Pegasians, and that she should be grateful for his benevolence. And the landlord had also told her in a slimy voice, and with a sleazy wink, that any service she wished to do for him would also be looked upon favourably. At that point, Mariana had told him she did not want the top floor flat, that she would be grateful if he tell Alexander Sedan to give it to the family of the deceased human Ridian Collins, and that she would be more than happy to vacate his small, miserable flat in less than the two weeks' notice given. And then she had slammed her door in the irredeemably, irredeemably sleazy Pegasian landlord's face and immediately began to furiously pack the few belongings she possessed. It had taken her only one hour. The furniture was not her own, neither were any of the fixtures and fittings. Only the personal items belonged to her. Her clothes, her toiletries, the carved wooden box found on a seashore treasure hunt with Jess, which contained a few pieces of jewellery, and the one picture which hung by her bed. 
the same picture Alexander had taken and Clement had analysed. The picture she had always believed showed her mother and father in the set setting of the house in which she had grown up with her grandfather, and even though she now knew that the people in it were not her parents, that the woman was Olivia Candish and the man was a fabrication, she had placed it back on the wall because it was still her picture, and in a way it was still part of her life, the life her grandfather had made for her, with such nostalgic, idealised sentiments attached to it that she could not just throw it out. But when she packed her things away, deciding to leave her old life behind, she knew she could not take the picture with her. It was part of her past, with no place in her future, so she left it hanging on the wall, leaving it behind with everything else in the flat that did not belong to her. During the last few days of her time in the flat, when the hailstones had relentlessly pinged off her window pane and the wind had howled like a tormented soul, Mariana's world had shifted again. Something that she had suspected but not told anyone about was now in actual fact frighteningly true. Not only that, but lying in her bed at night, Marianne had felt that she was not alone in her room. On every night since she had seen Alexander's majestic silhouette scattering his father's ashes, Marianne's sleep had been broken and disturbed. In the early morning hours, as she fell in and out of fragmented dreams, her bedroom curtains had flapped, only for a few moments, but more vigorously than the draught from the windowsills would cause. The noise would semi-wake her, and in her half-dreamy state she dreamed that the noise was the flapping of wings, strong black wings which glistened in the moonlight as they soared in the freedom of the sky. And since those half-real dreams had begun, she had tried to stay awake and find out what was causing the noise, but the noise always outsmarted her, because when it finally came, she would always have fallen asleep. One week after packing her things, when the cold rain and hail had stopped beating down on her balcony, Mariana picked up her rucksack and left the flat. She said goodbye to Hilary, who did not believe that she was really never coming back, and who said that it would be good for her to go on a long soul-searching walk, like she was some kind of travelling guru, and when she had got it all out of her system, she should come and stay with her until she found a new place. That had been the easy bit, because Hilary did not ask questions. She did not ask why. She did not want to know the details behind Mariana's sudden need for departure, and so Mariana was not forced to talk about the real reasons why, the reasons which were not just due to her stubborn pride, making her refuse the luxury flat and slam the door in the landlord's face. Having left Hilary behind, cuddled up asleep in her balcony, Mariana had made her way to the jetty. It would be the last time she ever saw Jess again. They had met only once since the day of the trip to the research platform. It had been a selfish request to make of her friend, and she had put her in great danger. But she had since explained to Jess her reasons for asking, and all that had happened to her since. She had apologised profusely, but Jess had merely shrugged her shoulders and wisely told her that the task her grandfather had set her was not one she could have possibly completed on her own. The task was too important, and the humans, merfolk and pegasians, who had freely chosen to help her succeed in it, were testament to that fact. Mariana lay on her front on the edge of the jetty with her chin resting on one hand, while the other hand swirled her fingers to the deep blue ocean water. The sea was a particularly hypnotic mix of colour today, a mixture of blues and greens and turquoise. Its little waves swished and rippled and glistened around Mariana's fingers and over the end of Jess's tail. Jess sat on the jetty next to her, and where her mermaid's tail ended, the sea began, their colour, colours and gentle swaying motions blending elegantly together. Where are you going? Jess asked as she washed her long, pale arms down with the soap Mariana had brought. Away. 
Mariana evasively, evasively replied as she stared hypnotically into the depths of the ocean. Why? Why are you leaving? I can't tell you, Mariana replied. I can't tell you where I am going or why I am leaving. So you've just come to say goodbye and that's it? That's all I get? After all these years of friendship? What could possibly be so bad that you can't tell me? I practically know the whole story anyway, remember? So all I can conclude is that you missed something out because you don't trust me. Don't try that psychological victim stuff. You know I trust you. I trust you with my life. But but what? What is it? What is it you're not telling me? Mariana didn't reply. Is it something to do with the fourth chimeric? Jess guessed in her silence. Sort of, Mariana said. Is it something to do with Alexander? Jess guessed again. I suppose so, Mariana said. Okay, so that doesn't get me much further. Can you be a bit more specific? Jess was becoming irritated and Mariana was beginning to think that it had been one indulgence too many to come and see her friend again. But she had so desperately wanted to see her. She could not leave without saying goodbye. And unlike her farewell with with Hilary, this parting was much more difficult. Jess was her best friend and every fibre in Mariana's heart was pounding against her chest, demanding that she tell her the truth. Her heart was willing her to tell Jess that she was certain now that she was pregnant with Alexander's child a child she knew without doubt was his because he was the only man she had ever been with and the only man she could ever imagine being with again, even if it was in some fantastically faraway fantasy dreamland. And now she was scared, scared because she felt so out of control and so alone, scared because she had no idea how to look after a baby which would be born with wings and scared because she would have no one to help her. Would it be different to having a normal human child? Would she feed it in the normal way? Would it develop in the normal way? And what would happen when it started to fly? How could she look after it then, when she herself could only walk and run? She had so many questions she dare not ask. But those unanswered questions were not what scared her the most. What scared her the most was being discovered. For if her baby was discovered and Alexander was identified as the father, then he would surely be removed from his position as ruler. Or worse, it was forbidden to interbreed, to produce a Pegasian child without the appropriate screening processes and permission that Fedor had sought when choosing Alexander's mother would not be tolerated. And that was why every synapse in her brain was stamping on her heart's desire to tell Jess the truth. Mariana could not allow herself to harm Jess with information that would make the Pegasians of the fourth chimeric come calling on her. So what was Mariana to do? What other choice did she have but to leave and not tell a soul where or why? You look terrible, Jess finally said. Jess realised her direct method of questioning was going nowhere and that if Mariana would not state her reasons for leaving, then she must respect her motives as well-intentioned. Jess was uncomfortable with not knowing how to contact Mariana, but also with the fact that Mariana so obviously did not look well. So Jess had stated the obvious. Mariana did look much worse than her normal, naturally radiant self. But Jess omitted the detail, the detail of Mariana's bright skin being drawn and pale, the dark circles under her eyes. She had lost weight, and the shine had gone from her eyes and lips. If you must leave, then stay here for a while and rest, Jess said. I have salvaged and saved enough oil to be able to barter for some fresh food and for some medicine. Although I do not have enough for bespoke medicine, It will have to be the old-fashioned generic type, but it will be enough to... Jess, Mariana said, I cannot live off the oil you salvaged for your family. You work too hard for it, 
and you need it for when the ocean becomes rough and you cannot swim too far out. I cannot possibly stay with you. And besides, Brian, he does not want me anywhere near his home, not after what happened to David. Mariana hung her head further down to stare at her sad, distorted reflection in the rippling water. And I don't need medicine. I just need to get away from everything that has happened. Do you believe you really can do that, Mariana? In all honesty, the world is a much smaller place. There are not many places left to hide in. I will find my little cave. And when you find it, what will you do in your little cave? Hibernate like a pregnant bear? Mariana briefly caught her breath, but relaxed again, knowing her friend was innocently teasing. There are no bears left in the world anymore, so the answer is no, I will not be hibernating like a pregnant bear. They were big, hairy and scary, and hopefully I am none of those things. Jess slipped sulkily into the water to rinse the soapy suds from her hair and body. When she, she emerged back to the surface, she was transformed from a white foaming chrysalis into a beautiful honey-blonde mermaid. Mariana stood up from the jetty floor, rummaged in her rucksack, then pulled out a jar and a plastic tub. Here, she said, setting the plastic tub on the edge of the, on the, edge of the jetty. What is it? Jess asked, bobbing up and down in the rippling water. It's as much soap as I could fit into the largest tub I could find. I'm sorry, I won't be able to bring you any more. Thanks, Jess said. What was in the jar? She inquired as Mariana replaced it in her rucksack. The ashes of Benjamin's wife. I promised I would bury her on a mountain top overlooking the sea, but to scatter her ashes there is the best I can do. Mariana zipped up her rucksack, slung it over her shoulder and turned to walk away. Wait, Jess called with heavy tears forming in her eyes. Mariana turned back. Don't I even get a hug? Jess called. Jess pulled herself out of the water and sat again at the edge of the jetty. Mariana sat down next to her and hugged her. Then, through tear-filled eyes, Jess and Mariana sat together watching the clouds make shapes in the sky and the waves crashing against the rocks they had once played in as children. And in those shared silent moments, the two friends said goodbye. So that's the end of chapter 30. That was the penultimate chapter of the book. One more to go. Um, So... That's all for now. Bye.